at one point, um, our lead detective um, took me out on the rooftop and he was standing there with two other detectives and I was like, what is going on? You know, I didn't know. But then when I looked up and he was, you know, had his arm crossed with the, the left hand over the top of the right arm, I did not want to hear what he had to say. Warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. The Unsolved Murder of David Kelm, Part 1 of 2. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. I am Wendy. And I'm David. Today, we are going to be discussing the April 23, 2019 murder of David Kelm in Lexington, Kentucky. We have with us today David's sister, Rachel, and David's mother, Jessica. Rachel, thank you for coming. How are you doing today? I'm good, Wendy. Thank you and David for having me. You are most welcome. Jessica, thank you for coming. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. And thank you and David both for having me. Absolutely. This is a case that we're happy to discuss and get into and and share with people David's story and subsequently David's murder. It is unsolved still to this date. So I think all of our common goal is to find find a lead to maybe help solve this murder. That and to memorialize David. We appreciate the opportunity to let people know who David is through your eyes and family. So that because in this whole process that gets lost. You know, the hope again is is to maybe budge the case and get somebody held accountable for it. But even in the criminal justice system, when you start to get some relief from having that, it'll still scoot past who David is. So this is an opportunity to really let people know who David is. Well, I agree. Well, why don't we have one of the two of you or both to chime in and tell us, I guess, Jessica, we should start with you. You're his mother. Tell us. David as a as a little David, when he was a child growing up, what kind of baby he was. Just tell us a little bit about him so our listeners can learn who, who he was. Okay. Um, he was my first blessing in life. He was born January the 11th, 1973, all nine pounds and five ounces. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, when he was born, uh, he was a thumbsucker, <laughs> and I could when they'd bring the babies down to feed, I could hear him sucking his thumb, <laughs> and he sucked his thumb till he was about eight, and we had to get some sauce, hot sauce, or something to put on his finger, and finally he, but he didn't have to have braces, but um, he he was a good baby. He was a big baby. He ate well. Um, He played well by himself, and he loved his baby sister when she came along three years later. And they had a bond from day one, and they did till the day we lost him. How long were you in in labor with David? Did he make you wait? Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) It was induced, 
13 hours. Oh, my. Yeah. That, what's that comedian say one time that there's things that feel good that I want to do for four hours? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, what a long time. And I was I was just curious if he if he made you work for it. And I guess he oh, did. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> and his dad was standing there and he had a magazine and he said, look at this. This is funny. And I go, don't show me that again. <laughs> and I told the doctor, um, I said, gosh, that hurt. <laughs> and she goes, well, we didn't know you were going to have a football player. <laughs> oh, yeah. He loved his sister. He was real protective of Rachel. And they had a bond that nobody could break, even in death. Yeah, he was just a, a great big brother. What's your earliest memory of David? Can you think back that far? Um, I remember when uh, he fell out of the tree in the front yard and <sighs> broke his leg. <laughs> How old was he? He was eight. eight. Yeah, he was eight. And he was climbing in the tree. And I went to the front door. <laughs> And it was a little tree, but he was high up in the tree. And I said, you get out of that tree before you break your leg. I turned around, and this blood-curling scream. I thought he was hit by a Mack truck. And he fell and broke his leg. What part of his leg broke, and how bad was it? It was the um, left leg. Uh, he had to have a cast. I had to take him to the emergency room. But it wasn't a compound fa uh, fracture. And he screamed because they had to set it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, my dad liked to draw, so he drew a Darth Vader on his cast. I remember that. And Mickey Mouse. A Mickey Mouse on mine. I had to have a correction, uh, a cast on my leg for. Uh, she was pigeon toed. And um, <laughs> do they still call it that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had a foot. Well, she gets that. it from me because I haven't, and um. It, they say it comes from Native American. They were all pigeon-toed. So. But anyway, I remember uh, my dad drawing Darth Vader on Davy's cast and then Mickey Mouse on mine. So, And we actually kept the cast for a long time. But Davy was kind of, you know, he didn't really want me to... He, we loved each other. Uh, he didn't really want to be bothered with me, though. He played a lot by himself. He yeah. liked Tonka trucks. Okay. And I said, do you really like those trucks? And he goes, yeah. He said, I'm going to, I like those trucks. And I said, oh, okay, you're going to be a cement truck driver? He said, no, I'm going to be the truck. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life goals. Exactly. <laughs> you got to have them. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Halloween, he was probably seven, seven maybe. And he dressed up as Popeye, and I was he a gypsy. <laughs> I remember that. We had a dog, Bojo. That was in Michigan. Uh, I used to run away a lot. <laughs> I'd climb the fence and run down the street to a lake that was close by our house, and Davy fell in the, the ice, didn't he, mm -hmm. on the, behind the house, the pond? How old were you when you'd run away? Five? Oh, she, no, she was younger than that, probably about three. Where were you going? To the lake. <laughs> to the lake. She went down to the lake. And what was so bad, her timing, there was a child serial kidnapper slash murderer. Well, I couldn't find her. 
and I something told me to go to the lake. And there she was with a little stick drawing in the sand and swinging. And Bojo. And Bojo. No fear. No fear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she would run away. Yeah, so I kind of just like followed Davey. Mm -hmm. I remember we were on the swing set and... They kept saying, say the cuss word. They wanted me to cuss. Of course, they wouldn't. So <laughs> I said the cuss word, and then I got in trouble. The bar of soap? Yeah. We used to Mom. do that. My youngest brother, we would send him into my mother with loaded with foul language, and he didn't know what it meant just to watch the explosion when he, when yeah. he would do it. So it was like. <laughs> just to watch it get in trouble, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. One time, uh, Davey got real upset with me because I had just gotten Rachel a little tricycle. And she left it behind the car, and I backed out and ran over it. Oh, he was so angry. You just bought that for her. She didn't care. <laughs> she had a she had a lake to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh huh. Exactly. So, how long but, were you all in Michigan before you came to Kentucky, and what brought you all here? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, economy was bad, and I was a hairdresser cosmetologist, stylist, whatever they want to call me. And I came to Kentucky to take a test to be a cosmetologist. And I had relatives here. My dad was from Breathed County, and my mother was from Rowan County. So I had a lot of relatives down here. And I brought Rachel and Davey with me. He was seven, and Rachel was four. And I met Michael's dad. Tell our listeners who Michael is. Michael is my youngest son. Um, his dad was from Kentucky, and we were married 17 years. I have eight biological grandchildren and one great-granddaughter. How old is your great-granddaughter? She was a year old in June. Well, you talked about how he he played with the trucks and wanted to be the truck. And what other things did he do when he was when he was little as he grew up? Did he start to get any any sports or any hobbies or anything? He didn't really like sports. I put him in little league baseball, and that didn't last very long. Just didn't have an interest in no, it. No, he didn't. Um, he also got into um, karate. Karate. He was good in that at Sinte's that used to be in Lexington. And Shantae, yeah. How about martial sc- arts? How about school when he was when you got to Lexington? What schools were he in? Nicholasville we came to. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, he did well in school. He was good. And he met his high school sweetheart there, Angela Owens. And they had my two first grandsons together and they were together 16 or 17 years and but we always stayed very good friends with Angela well yeah that's an interesting part about this too that we need to let everybody know what that connection is is that uh, Angie as Wendy knows her lost her life in February in Nicholasville to domestic violence and we have a a few episodes to memorialize Angie and that and that violent death that she went through just to tie this together is we're sitting in a room with people that were related and in a court that was the high school sweetheart. It's it's just never ceases to amaze me how there's a connection between people sometimes. Well, and ironically, 
Angie and I, as I said on that podcast we did about her, we worked at Long John's corporate office, and that's where years ago I met Jessica and Rachel. So we had 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 initially met back in, I guess, 91, 92. And of course, Angie and I remained friends. And then Angie and David years later did divorce. And it's so funny how I lost contact with Rachel and Jessica. And then maybe a little before David died, we got brought back together on Facebook and then uh, you know, friended each other like you do and caught up and, and I guess the rest is history. So they say, but you know, we've, we, the three of us would often talk about the relationship that Angie was in with her new husband and how we all knew it was a very volatile, not good relationship. And then them losing David, um, and how that affected all of them. And and Angie came back to you all at David's death. There was a little bit of a reunion, wasn't there? Yeah. For, yes, for that, absolutely. For that month and a half before that got abruptly cut short. Right, so, yes. So it was really neat to bring you all back together because you all had also lost contact with her, uh, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, that's true. I, I still remember in the wake of David's death when I was just being made aware of it is that uh, – and she came to the house one night. Well, she called. called. She called early in the morning, crying, saying David's been David's been killed. She saw it, and then I think she reached out to maybe Rachel because I was getting ready uh, to get my son ready for school, and she never would call that early. So when the phone's ringing at six, you know, you know something's not right. She was bawling, and I remember asking you. Is there anything that you can find out about this? Because at that time, I believe you might have been over that unit or maybe you were a commander over another sector. But um, yeah, and then she did come over. You're right. And we sat down and talked about what could be done and how we could solve this and ways that we could all pitch together. Because even though I hadn't seen David in all those years, you know, we kind of all grew up in those, you know, late teen, early 20s with she and I being friends and with the birth of, of her, of their two sons and their wedding and, you know, helping her plan all that and the baby showers. So there were great memories with David there as well. And, and so it, it was, you know, it, it didn't affect me obviously like it affected those of you who who he's your son, but it, there was still that pain in knowing what you all were going through. And because I did know him and because Angie, despite being divorced from him for all those years, she was beside herself because they were just truly high school sweethearts, sweethearts, weren't they? Yes, absolutely. But you know, David, I remember talking to you first. Right. And in our conversation, you said, or I told you I was David's mother. Right. And you said, I can't wait to tell my wife that I know you and you were David's mother. And we talked for a long time. We did. We did. It, and, and again, there's that circle, right, of how these connections end up. Yeah. And mom said, Oh my gosh, Rachel, Wendy or David, when I talked to David, his wife is Wendy. And that was Angie's best friend. We had lunch with her at Long John's, you know, in the corporate office. And I was like, no way. But I do remember that call. Um, Angie was one of the ones that I first called when I 
found out about Davy. Um, it was like four in the morning, but I was just thinking about my nephews, <clears throat> you know, and I was like, I'm calling her. And she, yeah, she took it like the she rest of us. She was very, very upset. Yes, she, she was hysterical. When she came over one night and we sat up in the kitchen, she had a notebook mm-hmm. and pages of notes. And uh, and I think really it was cathartic for her to to bounce those things off stuff that we've all talked about since then too, and just and for me to to watch that for somebody that had been divorced as long as they had been is it it struck her and struck her hard. Well, let's uh, kind of pick it up a little bit then. Is that he he marries and how long were they married again? About seventeen years. Wow, long mm-hmm. time. So unfortunately, Angie and David did divorce. Uh, the boys were young, uh, but maybe I think the youngest was seven, eight months when they separated, right. and the and the oldest was roughly three ish. And Angie moved on and remarried. And and so what happened to David at that point? Because I kind of lost track of him then. I know initially there was a little bit of time sharing with the boys. I think a lot of it, Rachel, was organized at your house. And what? Where did David? Where did his life go after they separated? Um, yes, Davey ended up remarrying. He worked um, at UPS uh, since he was 17. And he also worked part-time at Green's Toyota in the parts department. And he met a lady there who he later, re- or, you know, he remarried. And they had a son together, my nephew, one of my nephews. <laughs> and then they just, you know, had their life. They were married for 17 years. So David goes ahead and remarries, has another child. Uh, I do recall he and Angie initially, before he had that child, shared custody for a little bit. I think some of those transactions you helped organize. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, Davy and the boys would come and stay at my house on every other weekend. And it was, I mean, we look, I looked forward to it. It was so fun. I mean, you know, I got to see, spend time with my nephews and my brother. And at the time, my little brother lived with me. So it was the whole package <laughs> right there. But yeah, we, we spent a lot of time together. And then eventually those visits kind of tapered off? Uh, Yes, they did. Well, as an adult, did he have any other hobbies? Because you talked about how he worked at UPS and Green's Toyota, but did he engage in any other hobbies or interests as as an adult? Oh, he's always loved music. He plays the guitar, and um, he can play the acoustic and electric guitar. He, um, I guess, comes by that naturally my our dad's side of the family back to my grandpa's grandpa have a ear for music and a talent and um he enjoyed all music of course we were raised on (laughs) hank williams jr um elvis motown all that so music was music yeah but being you know kids of the 90s 80s 90s we liked all the, you know, the classic rock. So he enjoyed music. He he liked to work on things, cars, <laughs> and he, he was a perfect. He was a perfectionist. 
Yeah, he I mean, was. any little thing in the house, if there was a mark, he would paint the repaint the whole wall. Yeah, he also was into um, landscaping. We actually worked for a uh, company, the Gardener of Lexington. It's not in business anymore, but he enjoyed his lawn and landscape being perfect, and he'd come over and do mine. He also liked um, crime TV. He always liked to like the case, uh, Crystal Rogers case was going on, and he would call mom, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, did you see this? You know, this new part of it, the show?" And he's like, "You know, he did it," and just you know, going <laughs> crazy about it. He enjoyed that. He remodeled his house. He put in tile floors and he stayed busy. He was one that he didn't sit still. <laughs> he was like my little brother. They don't sit still. So he he goes through this this marriage and he's married for a while and then and then they had some rocky issues and separated. And then they were estranged when David was murdered. Is that right? They were not together at that point? No, they were not. Okay. So on this night, leading up to this, April 23rd of 2019, how did you all find out about it? How'd you learn of it? Well, uh, Landon and I were actually just getting in bed, and there was a knock at the door, and I thought, you know, it was somebody at the wrong house. So I didn't open the door. And then they come to the back and they were banging and I seen flashlights and I was like, what is going on? So I opened the door and it was an officer and he said, or he had my nephew with him, my youngest nephew. I didn't know what was going on. I figured my brother was at work still for him to show up in the police car, or I didn't know what happened, what was going on. Uh, so the officer asked me if I could keep my nephew. And this is David's youngest son with his new wife, right? Yes. And I, I kind of was still in shock. I didn't know why. And I said, what's going on? And he said, well, we cannot reach his mother. We have tried to reach out to the mother She's nowhere to be found. So we didn't know what was up with her. You know, I didn't know what was going on. Um, so he had to stay with me. Did the officer tell you at that point what was going on? No. Um, just that he needed to stay with me, that he couldn't reach his mother. So I said, okay. And then um, the officer quickly came back and told me that, uh, or, yeah, he came back and told me um, that I needed to follow him to the police station and bring my nephew because he had to have an adult with him. He was there. He was there when the murder happened? Yes. And so I was like, Why, what, are we, what are we doing? And the officer said, your brother's been shot. He's on his way to the hospital. We need you to bring your nephew to the police station. And so we did. <laughs> we followed him, or brought, he followed us to the police you station. You brought Landon to my apartment. Yeah, I had to. I actually, go, what, what's going on? She goes, Mom, Davy's been shot. We always called him Davy. I know you probably picked up on that. 
I did. I gave him that name. Um, and I go, Shad. And I'm thinking, you know, he works for a United Parcel. So maybe there was a robbery in his truck, you know, yeah. and it's not going to be so bad. It, it just it launches you into those questions because you're trying to figure out. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes where the police show up. Uh, they've got a relative there that. That, and they ask you to follow down, and then they finally tell you that he'd been shot and was going to the hospital, and the imagination just has to go wild. About, oh, what, yeah. about what time of evening was it, Rachel? Um, this was about 10 o'clock, maybe something a little bit to 10 o'clock. And, um, of course, you know, <laughs> I'm sure he had to tell me a couple times that he got shot because— <laughs> I'm looking around for my shoes, and um, I can't find them, and they're, like, right by the door. I was so upset. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe. All I kept hearing in my mind was, your brother shot, your brother just got shot, your brother just got shot. So you didn't know his condition at that time? You just knew he had been shot, and you were going to the police station? Yes. I wanted to go to the hospital to be with my brother, you know, to find out what's going on. But circumstance, I had to take my nephew. If been able to get a hold of his mother, I could have went mm -hmm. to the hospital and be with my brother in his last <laughs> minutes. So, Rachel, uh, Jessica, did you go with Rachel or did you meet her there? Rachel brought her son to my apartment so she could go with um, my grandson that was there at the the murder. Yeah, even if they just were having a conversation, that's, right. that's the crux of it, is having an adult when they were okay. under 18. So it, uh, he was a minor, yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty important. Or juvenile, they yeah. said, yeah. And, and there it is, the, the needs of the system stepped in, in front of what you would have liked to do of his sister, which... But I'm sorry that you even went through that, is that that's where these things collide, kind of like we hit it to right. before. So when did you get into the story of what happened? When you got to the police station, did they give you details of how this night unfolded? Um, uh, no, um, I was kind of learning as being in the questioning room. Um, what Had you asked your nephew as you were driving what was going on? Yes, what I did, he I did ask him. I said, what is going on? What happened? And he said, Daddy got shot. And, um, I mean, we both, he was in shock. I was in shock. So, at one point, um, our lead detective um, took me out on the rooftop and he was standing there with two other detectives, and I was like, what is going on? You know, I didn't know, but then when I looked up, and he was, you know, had his arm crossed with the, the left hand over the top of the right arm, I did not want to hear what he had to say. Hey, you know there's more to the story, so go download the next episode like the true crime fan that you are. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims, so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. 
The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform, as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com, where you will find show notes, transcripts, information about our presenters, and a link to the official Murder Police Podcast merch store, where you can purchase a huge variety of Murder Police Podcast swag. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which is closed captioned for those that are hearing impaired. Just search for the Murder Police Podcast and you will find us. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Make sure you set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.